0: Build Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza.
1: Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability.
0: Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello there. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I am Andrew Gerza. Hey, what up? I am your great gimp. I am your... Goofy gimp, I too many gimp alliteration things I'm going to stop, but I am definitely, definitely your disabled boyfriend experience, and of course, your disabled dreamboat. So let's get started with this brand new episode right now. So I scoured the internet to look for stuff to talk about for this episode, and I have some other things coming down the pipe, but I needed something for today, and the research I've been doing for other episodes and ideas that I have, and ideas of ideas, wasn't quite ready yet, so I was like, what am I going to put out for episode 84? Oh shit, I have to have a topic ready, oh fuck, what do I do? And then, so I was like, okay, well, it's my birthday, In by the time you listen to this recording, I'm recording this on a Monday, by the time you, who are not my patrons, listen to this episode, it'll be Friday, May the 4th. Whoa, isn't there like a weird, nerdy Star Wars thing on May the 4th? But by the time you listen to this, it'll be Friday, May the 4th. Um, so, I was like, well, why did not I do a birthday one? And I put on my Twitter recently that I wanted to do an annual birthday episode to talk about birthdays and getting older. And getting older in the context of being queer and disabled. And talking about all those things. So I thought, for episode 84, because my birthday's in a week, why not do an episode about how Andrew feels about getting older? And so I called this episode, this very special episode of Disability After Dark, I called it Disability After Dark 84, One Year Older, More Crippled, and More Queer. I think that's a fitting title, and so, let's get started. So, it's my birthday next week. I turn 34, and I'm stalling because I'm trying to get the page up where I wrote the notes for the thing. Um, okay. So, it's almost my birthday. I'll be turning 34 next week. Like I said, by the time this episode drops, it'll be two days away, May the 4th, unless you're a Patreon subscriber, in which case, you'll be hearing this as early as I can get it out, which... By the time I'm done recording tonight and doing a little bit of editing, it'll be done, it'll be ready for you. Probably the minute I'm done recording, I'm going to put it up on the Patreon, so yay for that. Awesome. Um, I want to thank you all so much for your pledges, for putting your hard-earned money towards this little show, towards crippled content, for listening, of course, and for telling your friends and all the things that you do as an audience to help keep this show afloat. I couldn't do it without you, and it's amazing that in a year and a half of this program being on the air, it's, it is what it is. We're going to talk more about that. So, as i near 34, I wanted to look back on my past year of sex and disability. And also, I wanted to talk about some of the things that scare me as I age. Just not necessarily when it comes just to sex and sexuality, but also disability in general. I also want to talk to you about some of the things that I want to in this new year, this new opportunity to grow and change myself as your number one queer cripple. That's what I was trying to say at the beginning with all the alliteration. I was trying to remember that I was going to call myself the number one queer cripple and then I just forgot. And so, but that's, that's, I am your number one queer cripple, your number one. So, and I also really want to talk about, and mostly what I want to talk about on this episode is the kind of sex that I want this year. As I get older and as I, as I approach disabled daddy status, I suppose you could say, I want to talk about that a little bit more. So that's kind of where the episode's going to go today. I also want to share with you the kind of sex I won't be having this year and the kind of boundaries I need to work on for myself because I've noticed over this year I haven't had a lot of boundaries and I want to share with you what I think my boundaries are of course, there'll be a whole other episode on boundaries and all those things, but I wanted to share just kind of kind of, openly for this new year that's coming up for me what some of my queer crippled boundaries are. Um, and that's kind of where the episode's going to go. Maybe some of what I'm saying will resonate with you. Maybe some of what I'm saying will not resonate with you. But I, But that's the plan for today, and so I hope you enjoy it wherever you are. And with whomever you are doing, and I hope you're doing somebody, because I'm not right now, and you should be. So I hope you all have your crippled bodies ready to dive into a new episode of Disability After Dark. So, sex has been really, really important to me this past year. This past year has been a really interesting one for me in terms of my sexuality and my understanding of sex in disability for myself, um... I made the decision to come out this year and work with sex workers to have some of my needs met as a queer disabled man. I may have said this to you, to the listening audience, in the past. I may have said it in passing with a guest here and there. I know I've talked to sex workers on the show a little bit, so it may have come out. But I am emphatically stating it with honesty and truth right now in this episode because I think it is really important that I talk about it. Um, this practice has taught me so much about myself and what I want, and frankly, telling people what I want has been something that I have had to learn to do in, in deciding to work with sex workers in the way that I have done, because prior to that, I have I hadn't been having sex for months and months, and I haven't been able to access my body for months and months, and I really... It took me a long time to get to a place where the idea of working with a sex worker was comfortable for me. Um, There are still moments where, in working with these individuals, it's shown me that I have some ableist things I have to work through. This past year, I've realized that that I have some internalized ableism that rears its head when I work with these workers, and things that I've said or done, and things that I have... um, looked for in workers has shown me that I still have a lot of internalized ableism to work through. Um, I realized that I projected a lot of viewpoints on disability onto these individuals when they didn't necessarily deserve it and if they didn't follow a certain disabled script with me, I would get upset. I haven't told any of them this but I'm trying working hard to to look past that because, I think a lot, of working with these individuals has been important, but I think that, um, you know, making these individuals the be-all and end-all of my sex life has, in a way, it's been good and it's also not been so good. And so making making them the people that I engage in in terms of sexuality and then putting all these things about disability and ableism onto them without really explaining it has sometimes been problematic. Um... The year in working with sex workers has also shown me a lot of great hurt and loss as some of the people that I've chosen to work with and engage with within this year have told me what I wanted to hear more so than they probably should have done. And for a split second, I believed that that was true and I I let them hurt me in the end. And there were many times throughout this process where I was played by individuals, where they played games, where they weren't honest, Um, with me, and so it's been a learning curve for me in working with the right individuals for what my needs are, but it's something that I am extremely happy to have done. The upside to all of this in working with sex workers and making that choice for myself as a queer disabled man, and I'm using those words because I'm stalling to get to the right page, the upside to all of this is that I made this choice more readily and without shame, when I you know, decided to do it without shame, I've had more sex than I probably have ever had in my whole life, and that part feels incredibly liberating and amazing and important to mention. As a disabled person and one who, as you know, clamors for those experiences and those memories, no matter whether they be good or bad, the fact that we are having these experiences at all, and I'm able to use my Privilege to um, to to afford these experiences quite literally, is I think important. It's been rocky and real. I've had to learn to hone in my feelings, because I feel all the things all the time when I make when I have sex or make love to somebody. As you know, as I've said, I'm sure on the show, I feel all the things all the time because of disability, and I have to remind myself that the person I'm sleeping with will never have the same experiences of ableism that I'm having. They'll never feel it the way I feel it, and that's okay. I'm teaching myself through this process to be in the moment right now and nowhere else. As a disabled person, that one's a really big one. I have a tendency to look to tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month, next year, a few months down the line, and I don't look for right now. When you're working with a sex worker, you're forced to look into right now, and enjoy what you have right now because you that's literally all you ha- have, and I think that's a really important lesson for me to learn. And sex work and working with sex workers has helped me to understand that more readily. Um, like I said, I, I'm forced to with sex workers to communicate a lot more, and I talk a lot about storyboarding on the show but really when I talk about it I mostly talked about it from a theoretical standpoint and not so much a real thing. When you work with a sex worker actually laying out the kind of sex you want to have is key to the discussion and I learned that having a disability means you really truly do have to really for real storyboard your sex and that's something that I'm learning to do for real and it's really really empowering to me. I think if you're disabled and you haven't considered openly drawing and talking about your sex life and what you want, you really should start doing that. Um, It's really, really empowering. Uh, I've had some of the best sex of my life this year, some of the best sex I've ever had, um, some of the most adventurous and different sex I've ever had, um... And I'm, I'm really, really thankful that I took the steps to manifest that. Like I said, it took, it took a lot of guts to get to a place where I'm doing that for myself. Um, but I'm very proud of the moment. And I just wanted to, to share that with you as part of my things for the year and coming out quite freely and saying that I work with sex workers to get my needs met. So very proud to share that with, with this audience. And thanks for letting me tell you. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark, but first, we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners, so we'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK.
1: Hi, this is Daniel Villarreal, Senior Editor of Hornet. And I'm a proud listener of Disability After Dark. If you're hearing this, then you already know how special and important Andrew Gerza's work is. He's literally the only person in the entire world discussing these issues. And he does so in a friendly, knowledgeable, and widely accessible way. Every time I listen, whether the podcast is about having sex after a stroke or turning your wheelchair into a literal fuck machine, every episode makes me see the world, my disabled peers, and myself a little differently. Andrew's already released over 80 episodes, and he recently started doing mini-sodes, too. He has all sorts of great, world- and mind-changing projects, but in order to do them, he needs your help. That's why I'm asking you to go to patreon.com slash cripplecontent, that's patreon.com slash cripplecontent, all one word, and make a monthly pledge. He's giving all sorts of great behind-the-scenes extras to people who donate just a dollar a month. That's barely 16 cents an episode. But if you've learned anything from this show, I challenge you to give more. $20, $10, $5, whatever you can afford. For the price of a cocktail or a nice meal, you can help support a revolutionary content creator who's truly doing some groundbreaking work. I believe in Andrew's work, and I know you do too. So please, visit patreon.com slash cripplecontent today and make a pledge. I promise, when you see what else he unveils, you'll be glad you did.
0: Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, just wanted to let you know that I have started recording Minisodes for the show, and if you're like, hey Andrew, what's a Minisode? Let me tell you. A Minisode is a little tiny morsel of awesomeness of Disability After Dark, where you, the listener, get to write in anything about disability you want to tell me about, a story, a letter, a thought, uh, a topic idea, just tell me about your life as a disabled person, um... Or if you're non-disabled and you have questions about disability you want me to answer, write in and let me know, and then we can really build a community around disability and we'll put them in a little ten minute minisode that we'll play before the full episodes. It'll come out they'll come out every Wednesday. So if you want to write a minisode, write me your thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas about disability. You can write them to our new email address for the podcast. You can write them to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and then I will read them back to you. That's I will read them back to you and we'll wildly speculate about them together. So submit your things for Minnesota to Disability to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. And welcome back to the program. I want to thank Daniel Villarreal from Hornet for sending in a one-minute uh, request for all of you to pledge to the Patreon page And what that show means for him, I think that's really awesome. Uh, I think it's really important that people listen to the show and it resonates. And it's really nice to know that it did. He recorded that for me and sent it in over the weekend. And I literally was in tears listening because he put on his professional voice. But it, it shows that the show means a lot to him. If you want to write in and do a little ad like that, a voice memo, you can send it to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. You can also send in your, uh, send in your Minisodes, please. I love these Minisodes so much. Send, the, send in your ideas for Minisodes. I want to do so many more of those. Send all the things in to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. And, but now I'm going to stop rambling and we're going to get back to the meat of the show. There's a pun in there. I'm sure it is somewhere. Professionally, this year has been amazing. It's been really awesome to travel to universities all across North America and talk about my experiences, and that's been super fulfilling for me considering that when I started this kind of work as a freelancer five years ago, I never truly actually considered that this would go anywhere or, or be anything. So it's amazing that this little thing that I started in so many different iterations has now, you know, come to this. And it's really awesome that people are seeking me out for advice, they're seeking me out to, to speak, they're seeking me out for for really interesting opportunities, all because I said I have a story, and it's it's amazing that, that I get to do that. I want to talk now specifically about uh, the podcast, this awesome program within the last year. Last year at this time, we had about... The Royal week, because really it was just me, The we had about 40 episodes of Disability After Dark, and we were sitting at 7,050 downloads. I can thank Facebook Memories for showing me this, because I saw a lot of what the numbers were around this time last year, and it was only about 7,000, we had about, about 40 episodes, 7,000 downloads, we weren't really anything to speak of, we were just a little show trying to do some things, and... Put ourselves out there, hope, and we—I hoped that it would grow, but I really wasn't sure if it would grow at all. Um, and I really was, you know, kind of like, okay, it's—it's it's gonna be what it is, and I'll just keep chugging along and hope that it moves. In the year, we have ballooned to forty more episodes, so now we're sitting past eighty episodes. We have ten minisodes and counting, um, and we're now sitting at almost. 50,000 downloads in total. Again, not a giant number, but giant for a little niche podcast about sex and disability, which is something we don't often talk about. So the fact that the numbers are where they are, I'm very proud of that, and that's because of you again, the listener. Thank you so much for making the show what it is. Thank you. The um, I mean, the brand is growing, my ideas for the brand are growing. And I'm so excited to have built a platform for all of us to talk about and shine a light on sex and disability. Okay, so briefly I want to now talk about what the fuck scares me as a queer cripple. um, And I want to talk a little bit about those kind of things. And this is again around disability, not so much disability, but what, what scared me over the last year. And one of the things that scared me a lot that I've talked a little bit about on the show was contracting the C. difficile infection that I had in September, October. That was super fun. Um, Anybody who is disabled and deals with bowel stuff knows how delicate the bowel can be and how problematic it is when the bowel decides to play little fun games with you. And C. diff was not something I anticipated or certainly ever thought I would have but I got it and I got through. Um, One of the good things about having C. diff was that it forced me to really look at my diet and look at how I was eating and look at what I was eating and look at what I was putting in my body and how I wasn't necessarily taking care of myself the way that I should have done as a disabled person. Um, So there is an upside to it. One of the things that also scares me is losing certain abilities. I've talked about how I lost the ability to pee And I've accepted catheterization as a part of my life. Um, I've talked about that. uh, But I do worry kind of what's next. What am I going to lose next and what's that going to be like? Am I going to lose something next? How do I deal with all that? Um, I lay awake at night and worry about whether or not I'll be fuckable in the next 10 years. Now I'm pretty sure that most people worry about that. But I worry about that in terms of disability. I think about how my body may change again and how i will have to manage that in relation to my sexuality again because dealing with the catheter was one thing and i don't want i don't want something else to arise where i have to consider that again and consider how my disability has quote unquote betrayed me again i also wonder how many gray pubes i'm going to need until i'm officially allowed to be considered a disabled daddy because I found my first one about a year ago, and I remember looking down at my nice cripple cock, and it's quite nice, so I just wanted to make you all aware my, my cock's awesome for a disabled guy. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking down at my dick, and I realize that I have, I realize I have a gray hair, and I was like, oh, one is fine, but the more and more I look, the more and more they're there, and it's, it's like, oh, I guess I really am creeping into disabled daddy status when do I get the handbook that tells me what to do? And that makes you think a little bit about aging and what, you know, what what kind of queer disabled resources will be there for me if and when I'm 60? What kind of resources am I going to have then? So that is something I've been thinking about as this birthday approaches. As 34 approaches, I've been thinking also about when am I ever going to get to go on a date and have it feel like a real date? rather than a disability interrogation session that's why i started working with the sex workers too because i didn't want to have those interrogation moments anymore i wanted it to feel like a real date and when i work with sex workers for a brief minute it does feel even though it's you know i'm spending some dime on it it does feel like i it's a, more of a date than some of the some of the quote unquote real attempts at dates cuz i've never had a real date. It's, they've been more attempts, some of the attempts at dates feel it's more real than those. So so thanks sex workers for making me at least feel like i can go on and what a what an actual date is. But i do wonder when i'll get to have a real date where um where it's not an interrogation session and it's with somebody that i'm not that i'm not having an unconventional relationship with. I also wonder, will a queer person who I have been naked with or who I'm getting regularly naked with tell me they love me? That's something I've never heard before. Um, I am the one to, to have all the feelings, and I've never quite been with somebody who told me they had some sort of feelings back. I've always had to manufacture the feelings for someone else just so I could have the feelings, and it would be nice to have somebody reciprocate. I'm not saying it has to last forever or be like the one true romance of my life, but it would be nice to explore that a little bit and have somebody actually have the feelings back. One of the things that scares me around all of that is loneliness too. Loneliness when you're disabled, as we mentioned way episodes back. Loneliness and depression can be really troubling when you're disabled and and can really weigh on you when you have a disability and so that scared me a little bit this year um for sure alright so let's switch gears a little bit I want to now talk to you about the fa- the best part of this episode in my opinion I didn't realize it would take us a whole bunch of segments to get to this part when I wrote it out I thought it would be way quicker but awesome that it's taken up a little bit more time so I, could, I can have all the feelings and say all the things but let's talk about um The kind of sex your number one queer cripple wants to have at 34. And the first thing I'll say is this. There's so much that I have yet to try. Thanks, ableism. There's so much I'm eager to experience. And that's kind of exciting to think that in part due to my disability, my disability allows for everything that so many people take for granted or see as, quote, Vanilla sex or, quote, old hat, I am just beginning to consider. And that's fucking awesome. And so I want to share with you some of the things that I want to try as a queer cripple at 34. I wonder how many times I've said 34 in this episode, but it's been a lot. So, But anyway, let me tell you about the kind of sex I want to have this year. One of the things that I really have been eager to try all my life and never really got the chance to, is food play. I've been in love with the idea of food play for a long time and I think it culminated when I was watching some movie I don't a bunch of movies, but I think with Tom Cruise in the eighties. I think there's a movie where Tom Cruise in the eighties is like in his house trying to seduce a girl and he gets a bottle of whipped cream out of his out of his uh, fridge and he puts it on his genitals and it, like, turns the girl on and they have a whole moment. Now, it could be because young Tom Cruise, before he got messed up in Scientology, uh, is really hot, but it could also be, there might might have been a correlation to whipped cream. Um, Another movie that really, that I used to see people do that with whipped cream all the time was... uh, American Pie 2 Jason Biggs always I kind of had a thing for like sexy Jewish boys and Jason Biggs gets me hard every single time and there is a scene somewhere in, in American Pie where he puts whipped cream on his body and it again it excites me in ways that I can't explain it titillates me for sure I didn't write the Jason Big part down that just came out but Seriously, Jason Biggs or anybody with Jew-fro or ginger hair. As a fellow Jew and a ginger lover, I'm all about it. Let's have a discussion. And if you're like, hey, Andrew, how does your desire for food play relate to disability? Well, let me tell you, because it does, I think, anyway, and I want to share what I think. So I think that food play relates to disability in that it could help in terms of disabilities, in a, in a number of ways. I am constantly worried about making a mess or having an accident in bed with a partner, and I think that in some way, using whipped cream as a way to make a, quote, mess with a partner might help to allay those fears even even a little bit. Now you're like, Andrew, whipped cream is not the same as like having a bowel movement or urinating... No, but it allows you to get the idea of the clean, crisp bed out of your psyche and make a mess and play with those ideas. And I think for somebody with OCD like me and disability fears around making a mess like me, playing with whipped cream and making a, a safe mess might be really, really helpful to make us feel a little, a little bit better. I also think you might get to... See to see how a prospective partner would react to a mess. So if you make a mess with the whipped cream and your sex partner freaks out, maybe you should have a talk about that with them. Or if they're a one-off, maybe you don't have sex with them again. Because if your whipped cream mess makes them freak out, your accident mess for real will really make them freak out. And So you can see how they understand disability th- by playing that little game. Um... I also think food play is super hot because of the requirement for a partner to feed us food and then it would really give them a glimpse of how give give us the disabled person and them the partner a glimpse of how to understand disability or could or they could understand how disability actually works. That was a lot of jumbly words but I'm basically saying that, Food play is good for disability because learning to feed us and take care of us in that way or help us out in that way shows you, the disabled person, how, they, how your partner would perceive disability. For example, they can shove their big dick in your gimpy mouth, but can they feed you a hot dog, a meal, or help you sip coffee if, they, if you needed it? think about that and if they can't do that then you probably shouldn't be fucking them One of the next things that I really want to try more of this year is public sex You heard in an earlier episode about my experiences with bathroom sex and my failed attempt to get my failed attempt at trying to get a guy off in there and having him literally run away on me with my pants down. I also had a brief encounter in an elevator, which was interesting and kind of fun, had the guy not been kind of an ableist douchebag. All of those failed attempts aside, I kind of want to try it again. I really do. I want to try it in different ways, in different places. I want to try it again. Thinking on this again, I thought of all the places I'd like to try it, I want to try it in an airplane for sure and this would be super easy because I've just been on an airplane back from Australia and I I literally cannot move. All we'd need is a blanket and we can figure the rest out. Also wouldn't mind doing something in a tent or in the woods somewhere. I've always found that to be kind of hot or it looks like it could be really hot. Um, Although this particular scene play in tents and in the woods doesn't necessarily bode too well for wheelchair users because wheelchairs in the woods, it's never been a a good or easy thing to navigate. But, hey, if somebody wants to go with me in the woods and we can figure it out, I'm so down to try something. There's something kind of intoxicating and animalistic about the idea of having sex in the woods. And maybe that's because so many people see sex and disability as animalistic or wrong and I really want to engage with that idea more. Any takers? The third thing I want to do more of is sex toy testing with a lover. Surprisingly, I've only tried... I've only once tried sex toys out with a lover and it almost doesn't even really count because it was two seconds it was a flush jack that he had brought over, and it really didn't work for me at all. It was not uncomfortable, but I was much more into like, put your real hands on my on my body. Good-looking, attractive man that's touching me. I don't want to play with the flush jack right now, um, but I want to try it out some more because the only other experiences I've had with the sex toy involved care workers putting it on me in really clinical sort of ways, and I wanna I wanted to. Try. I, want, I just want to try more. I want to try out a bunch more sex toys with a partner to show them how it could be sexy, but also how so many of them are inaccessible to us and why that is. Uh, Come As You Are, our awesome sponsor for this program. I just spoke to the owner today, and they'll be sending us some lubes and some toys, which I would love to review. Possibly with a lover? Anybody want to let me know if they want to help me review those toys together? If not, I'll just do a full, straight-up review show. But if somebody wants to help me out and help me turn that into an episode, that would be awesome. The fourth thing that I really want to try more of and do more of this year is I would love to try bondage with a partner, like getting my balls bound and my body bound up. I've seen a lot of this in some porn things i've seen some people on twitter doing that with their you know porn star accounts and that just looks it looks like something i've always wanted to kind of try i also think bondage might be super helpful might i've never tried so i don't know but i'm guessing that it might be super helpful when it comes to spastic disabilities like cerebral palsy and calming spasms down that's definitely something i'd love to consider because the sex i currently have is full of spasms, and when I come, it's like spasm fucking city, which can be awesome, but also it would be nice to try something a little bit different. And also, my body does always feel kind of bound up all the time because of disability, so playing with the idea of bondage and being actually bound up might be fun, and it might also give a much-needed improvement to the term wheelchair-bound if you tied yourself up in the wheelchair, right? True fact, I get a huge boner in the morning, and there's never, ever anyone there to see it, ever. This is really, really unfortunate for so many people out there, and I want to share the love with some of you. Morning sex is something that I really want to have more of, And it can be super awesome for us cripples, for some of us cripples, because first thing in the morning, the spasming is not necessarily as intense. Also, there's something kind of hot about the idea of waking up next to a really attractive guy, and that's only something I've ever gotten to do a handful of times in my experience. You would think in my 20s it would have happened a lot more frequently, but it didn't. And the one, the few times it happened, the guys ended up being giant assholes and not in the good way. So I found some birthday ideas online for birthday sex uh, in, like, internet magazines and, and things like that. And I wanted to look at some of them to see how accessible or inaccessible they were to the disabled person and other idea that I've had is to look at all these things and kind of implant disability into all these tips and tricks around sex. So there will be a few more episodes like that coming in the future. But I want to look right now at making birthday sex accessible. I found something on Refinery29, the online magazine, that suggested that for birthday sex you could try Wax play as something fun. Now, I'm all for the idea of hot things on your birthday, but I don't quite know if wax is exactly the safest thing for a disabled person, using myself as the example, to engage in. Or really, is it safe for anyone to engage in wax play with flame, with hotness for your birthday? I'm not really sure if that's a thing you should do. But if you have different sensory disabilities and different sensory options... Maybe a little, a little bit of wax play might be enjoyable for you. I can just picture spastic Andrew getting hot wax on him, having a horrible spasm, and most certainly causing a horrible, horrible fire. That's not an image that I think is very sexy for someone on their birthday. If you want to feed me the cake and call me your disabled daddy, I'm all for that, but not so much with the candles. As I was looking through, I noticed that Refinery29 also suggested eating sweets with your partner and using whipped cream, and I thought, how awesome was it that I had the same idea? To make that accessible, make sure you get your partner to feed you the chocolate, because that's how you make that accessible, and that's hot. Most of the other ideas Refinery29 had for birthday sex is exactly what I spoke to in this episode, so I won't get into them again. But uh, they also mentioned to get a room in a fancy hotel room, in a a fancy place in your city, have a change of scenery, a big bed, that kind of stuff. And this is great, but make sure that in order to make that accessible, if you're going to do that for your birthday or any kind of ways for the sex, make sure that your partner phones ahead to check and see what kind of accessibility needs this hotel has for you and will you be able to actually ha- use the room and get the hotel to, to tell you what kind of accessibility things they have for you to actually use the room. Maybe the to make it accessible it should say get a room and rent a Hoyer Lift. That kind of stuff. That would make that accessible for sure. I decided that I'm not going to tell you about my boundaries because I'm going to do a whole episode on boundaries for the podcast. So that's it. That's me getting, getting, that's the birthday sex episode. Uh, One year older, more crippled, and more queer. That's episode 84. For the next episode, I'm going to review the movie The Sessions because I think a movie review of that would be hilarious and fun to do. So episode 85 will be a review of The Sessions. If you want to watch that movie before hearing my review, get ready and, and download that and have a, have a watch. It's on iTunes and all over the internet, and it'll be an awesome one to do. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on Disability After Dark. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm of course your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following Pod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment... You help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ugiucci. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations, 2018.